From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations. EPR Creations partners with small businesses for website development and online strategy planning. If you have any need for an improved internet presence or want to improve your marketing and branding, call EPR Creations or give them an email. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. Information is in the show notes as always. All right, we're going to go ahead and get right to it. This is the follow-up episode, the evaluation episode after the Florida State 2020, even though it's 2019, I know, uh, the 2020 early signing period class. I'm going to talk about uh, evaluate uh, the evaluations of each class, uh, how uh, Norvell and his staff did in terms of holding on to and uh, holding on to guys that were already in the class and uh, basically uh, and, and going out and getting a few extras. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. This will be, uh, this will be one part of, uh, of some stuff that I'm recording today. I'm actually going to release a couple different episodes, uh, one right after the other, the other, the second episode is going to deal with the coaching stuff. So I'm not going to deal with any of the coaching hires really here, uh, or any of the, the questions, uh, that, that I've gotten about some of that. Uh, I'll deal with that on an episode to be released very shortly after this one. So we're just going to focus on the, on the recruiting stuff. Uh, won't be an especially long episode. I'm going to spend more time uh, putting up my evaluations on uh, the the Patreon site, and um, I will uh, I will uh, do some video evaluations there as well uh, along with that. But I'm going to give my first impressions of basically where this class stands and what they're going to need to add uh, in the second in the in the later signing signing area. Uh, in order for this to to really be a class that that hits all the needs that they have, so coming in, obviously Florida State has need for some instant impact offensive linemen, particularly offensive tackles. They don't really have any tackles on the roster that can play. Uh, even the guys that they brought in last year, Jay Williams is not projected to be an especially immediate contributor, maybe never a contributor. He's going to have to have a great off season in order to contribute anything based on early returns there. Darius Washington played late in the year and looked serviceable, but really ideally he doesn't, he looked more like a, an interior guy or a right, right, right side guy playing le- the left side. They, they need some, they need tackles. Uh, Ira Henry, a guy that I thought could come in and play tackle a little bit more. Looks like he's more of an in- interior guy, m- uh, might end up being more of an interior guy. And there's going to be a couple, there's going to be some attrition on the offensive line in terms of some of the guys on the roster now as well. And they, so they need tackles. They need some tackles that can play right away. Uh, they need quarterbacks, plural, and they needed some, some playmakers. They, they, this, it's amazing how quickly this team has been hemorrhaging playmakers. They were, staring the possibility of going into next year without a viable running back on the roster. So that's another a major need. And then beyond that, they're going to need to have a designated pass rusher. They're going to need to have somebody that can rush the passer from the edge and uh, ideally two or three of those guys. So that's, those are the big needs coming in. And other than that, you're trying to fill out the roster with guys that can work their way into and uh, in, in, they can be depth initially and then work their way in. Uh, from there, but still a long way to go based on those needs and what they ultimately signed. So I'm going to go ahead and start uh, uh, by giving you 
my five categories. I basically divide things into categories. I've done this for, for years now, uh, and I have actually the record going back for years in terms of who I put into what categories to sort of establish a track record there. And I'm learning each year as I look back at the ones that I got right, the ones that I, I could have gotten uh, better, and then ones that I completely whiffed on or got wrong. Uh, and, and I've actually got that up that list up over at the unconquered podcast site, uh, with, with the, the spreadsheet, uh, there, the link to the Google spreadsheet. So you can see, uh, more of this, but basically what I've done is I, I, I divide things instead of just five star, four star, three star, two star, one star, which you're not going to sign a one star at Florida state, unless maybe it's a special teams guy or whatever. Uh, and even then you're not going to do it. It's going to, that guy's going to be a three star immediately. So that's not granular enough really. And it doesn't communicate enough of what, uh, what you want to get in terms of, t- of establishing where the tiers of these guys are. So I've divided things into five categories where you have an, an impact player who is a rare prospect projects as a first year starter or a second year starter for a quarterback or a non enroll early enrollee type player. Uh, so again, you're not expect if a guy doesn't early enroll, you're not going to expect him to be an instant impact anywhere. If he is, then he's that much more special or you have that, that much more of a hole on your roster, but this is a first year or second year starter or near starter first year. If he's an early, an early enrollee and or future all American and high draft pick. So if I'm looking at this guy and I immediately say, Oh wow, that guy's an early, you know, early draft pick. Then that that guy's going to go into the instant impact or into the impact player bucket. If he's a guy that projects as a first year starter or near starter, then I put him into that bucket. So if you look at past players that have been in this impact player category, 2019 had two of them, Travis J and Akeem Dent. J of course wound up not playing because of some academic stuff. Dent played, but well, and, and actually showed a lot of potential, but well, the whole the whole defense was a mess. So those were the two guys in that class that were impact players. 2018 also had two, Jaden Woodby, and I had Jordan Young in there. And I think ultimately I should have had him one category down. Uh, and then uh, 2017, I had Cam Akers, Stanford Samuels III, Josh Kando, Marvin Wilson, and Hamsa Nasiruddin as the impact players. So that was five in the 2017 class. In 2016, Levante Taylor, Malik Henry, Landon Dickerson, and Wal- uh, and Walvensky Ime, Wally Ime. Uh, those four there, and of course, Henry and Dickerson busted. Dickerson mostly because of injuries, Henry because of other issues, and then Taylor had some injuries and so on. Ime was an early impact guy, but not obviously a higher draft pick guy. But that gives you some sense of where things go. Go back one more year, 2015. That category was Derwin James, Josh Sweat, Jacquez uh, Patrick, DeAndre Francois, and uh, Tavares McFadden for impact player uh, potential. And all of these categories are potential where this guy, if he hits his ceiling, where's his potential lie? So it's not saying he's going to be, say, early early draft pick. It's saying that's where the ceiling appears to be. So in this class, Florida State has one of those so far. And that's DeMaurier Tate. DeMaurier Tate is a rare prospect. I'm looking at my notes now. DeMaurier Tate is, look, he's 6'2", has legit length. You're talking about really good length. 
uh, along with the top end speed that you don't normally see with that kind of with that kind of player could be a little more flexible in terms of his hips, hip fluidity and all of that. But for this kind of player, you don't for a six two guy, you don't necessarily expect that he's physical to me in my notes. I've got he's a prototypical LSU quarter uh, cornerback. And a top end corner, uh, corner who's an impact player. He's a Travis J type athlete, maybe a little faster, maybe not quite as fluid, but he's that kind of. If you want to think about what what Demorier Tate is, he is your prototypical LSU corner over the last few years, and he's a plug and play. You put him on the field at the boundary, physical player, good ball skills, and let him go to work. He could play. That that's a guy that probably can contribute at corner day one, just because the tools are there. Now with the roster that they have, he may not need to, but you're looking at a guy that you're probably going to want on the field as a as a true freshman, and that's the one guy in this class that I look at and I'm like, yep, he's an early draft pick. He is a he's he's a guy that, that he's going to play anywhere he goes. <clears throat> so. Only one of those. And that's, you know, that's part of the problem right now. If you look at where Florida State's going, you know, in terms of of roster strength, if you go back in time a little bit, 2012 had six of these guys. 2011 had, I had six in 2011 and 2012, I had six impact players. And no coincidence that in 2013, they won the national championship. And by the way, two of those guys in 2011 wound up busting or wound up being injury injury uh, uh, casualties before 2013. But that's still was 10 guys that wound up actually being or when uh, one one in 2012 was a bust as well. Mario Pender. But that's still nine guys in two classes that set up the foundation of that 2013 class with or 2013 national championship with major uh you know, elite playmakers on the field. You've got to have those guys if you're going to compete at the top level. You've got to have impact guys. The last big class was the 2015 class with five of them. Then all of a sudden, well, actually 2017, you had you had also five. But 2018, you had two. 2019, you had two. And 2020, you got one. That, that cupboard's getting more bare in terms of the high-level impact type talent that you have to have. You've got to have guys that change games. You, you have to have the guy that, that, that is a concern for the other team just because he's that level of player. And that those guys are getting scarce. They're going to need to find some of those in the next class. There aren't very many left that haven't signed uh, for this class. So worth noting. Now, the next category is what I call the potential difference maker category. This is, these are players that project as potential matchup problems. Uh, projecting as you know, all conference uh, players likely high to mid draft pick, possible All American, likely needing an, a year or two to develop though. And in the early signing period class, and oh, oh, and to give you some examples of this before I move on, this class in last year's class, the the guys that I had in this potential difference maker category were Raymond Woody, Brendan Gant, Renardo Green, and Ira Henry. I think based on early returns. With Woody, Gant, and Green, I feel pretty comfortable that I got those three evaluations right, and I'll pat myself on the back, uh, as I'm prone to do here, uh, in that 
there were a number of others in the media and elsewhere who had Renardo Green as the lowest rated uh, corner in Florida State's class. I, I had him in my potential difference maker category behind only Jay and Dent in in the class in that regard. I, th- I thought he was actually going to be a really good player. He He looked excellent this year. Looks like he's got a decent future there. The prior year, I had in this category Treshawn Harrison, Robert Cooper, Xavier Peters, Malcolm Malcolm Lamar, uh, Warren Thompson, Cameron McDonald, and Anthony Lighton. And then the prior year to that, 2017, DJ Matthews, Kalon LeBourne, Jalen Parks, Zaquandre White, Corey Durden, Alex Marshall, Tamorian Terry, Leonard Warner, Trey McKitty, and James Blackman. Blackman, I clearly had too high. Alexander Marshall, I had too high. Uh, you know, the rest, I'm, I feel, I feel pretty good about that evaluation as well. So again, this is, this is a group that these aren't necessarily guys you expect to be day one contributors, but guys that you expect to be very good in their time on campus, potentially an all American, you know, ceiling, but you expect these guys to be all conference or, or in that competing for all conference, uh, as in their time on campus and being multi-year starters at the very top of that list. There are only, by the way, there are only three in this class so far, and actually only two of them signed in the early period. So I've actually got Malachi Weidman in there, and Weidman, isn't, he didn't sign. So there, there are only two so far. So you got one impact player and two potential difference makers. Last year, there were four potential difference makers. The year prior, there were six. In 2017, there were, let's see, four, five, there were, there were 10. And then in 2016, there were, let's see, uh, 11. So 10 and 11 in 2016, 2017, you got down to six, seven in 2018 and four last year. And now two in the early class this year, you can see that that talent pool is diminishing pretty rapidly at this point. So that's a concern, but they did pick up a couple of them in this class in the early signing period. One is Jadarius Green McKnight, Looking at my notes, this is a violent player. I found myself going, you know, he's one of those guys you watch his highlight tape and you go, oh, repeatedly. Oh, wow. Oh, you know, that kind of guy, because he is, uh, he is, my notes say, you know, 5'10", 205, physical, violent, Trey Marshall targeting award, terrific range. And then I've got noted 10, 900 meters. And then. If you want to think about what this guy offers, he's he's coming in. Compare him to Trey Marshall. Uh, you know, you're, you're the kind of style that he's playing is a Trey Marshall or a Troy Polamalu type guy. A little bit undersized in terms of height, but thick build, and he's going to come out of nowhere and he's going to hit you. He is a football player. You find a place on the on the field to put him. And in today's spread game, he this kind of player is really valuable because you can match him up in lots of different places. He's going to be a good blitzer. He's going to have some range as a coverage guy. And he's going to be a consistent stopper in the run game, despite being only 5'10". So that's a really good pickup. Again, uh, probably plays safety in the current scheme. Uh, in, in in what they're going to have, uh, what they're going to run, but he's a guy that you you pull down into the box in and you know you play him at star. You do a lot of different stuff there with him. He's a guy that was really close. He's a, he's kind of on the border of being an impact player, and I I could have probably fairly put him into the impact category, uh, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be an immediate impact 
uh, on campus. So I, I've got him in the potential difference maker category. I, I'm, I'm tending toward conservatism here uh, in general. The next guy I've got in this, in this, so the second potential difference maker that they've signed in this class is Kentron Potier. And this is a guy, looking at my notes, big frame, strong, plus suddenness for his size. So he, you don't expect a guy that's 6'4", 210 to have the suddenness, the ability to stick his foot in the ground, change direction, and explode the way that this guy does. He is a natural back shoulder receiver. Uh, ball skills above his head. He's he's a basketball ball skills guy. You know, you put the ball above his head, it's his. Uh, he's got really good bounce, six foot high jumper. Uh, a really really good fit for Norvell's offense, which likes to go vertical, likes to throw those back shoulders on the outside. It's going to f- have a lot of things for those big uh, matchup type guys on the outside. He, he, Norvell does a lot of what Clemson does in the passing game in terms of being advantageous to some of these big receivers, some of those uh, what Clemson calls bare butt or, you know, the glance route off of the RPOs, these sorts of things where it's really hard against a big fluid fast wide receiver to do a whole lot there. But you know, I, I think this guy is, he's an underrated player. I think he's a legit mid four, five, probably guy at six, four, and he's got some size. I think he's got some pretty big mitts on him. Uh, Looking at the comps for him, it, it was a little bit difficult. I mean, I think he's one of those guys. You might go back and, and say maybe a little bit of Willie Halstead from Florida State uh, years ago, but I think he's more of a vertical threat than Halstead was. Halstead was more of an in t- inside the middle of the field, you know, going to beat you on digs and that, that sort of thing. There's more long speed and more ball skills here for Poitier. So I actually think that the better comparisons for him are Laquan Treadwell and Justin Ross, both of whom were more polished coming into college. But if you're looking at where this guy's ceiling is and and who he compares to in terms of frame and all of that, look at what Justin Ross is at Clemson. Look at Laquan Treadwell a few years back pre-injury for, uh, for Ole Miss. That's this kind of player. I think he's got a really high ceiling. I think he's un- he's one of the guys in this class that I think is underrated as a prospect uh, should be much more highly rated. And uh, I, I think is going to be a guy that is going to be a, a problem for team for, for people outside. Again, uh, you could compare him in some respects to a Tamori and Terry as well. Uh, doesn't have the long speed, but in terms of being one of those underrated big frame vertical wide receivers, that, that makes sense. So again, not, not comparable in terms of style of receiver, but in terms of what he brings to the table, yeah, I think I think that's what what you've got. And uh, you know, Warren Thompson, imagine Warren Thompson but a little bit a little bit thicker and a, a a good bit faster I think vertically and and that's what you've got here. So that's a that's that's a very positive signing for uh for Norvell and for Ron Dugans to bring him in. Now, uh Malachi Weidman who is a a commit in the class but did not sign would also be in this category, but we'll deal with him on the uh second signing day if he does sign with Florida state. So those are my two potential difference makers in this class. Once you get past the potential difference maker category for me, the third category is the category of multi-year starter. So these are the foundational guys in your program. Now, if you're recruiting at an elite level, then you're getting a bunch of potential difference makers, which you were getting, you know, you go back to the 2014 
2011, 2012 classes, those classes were, were top, were loaded with top end impact players and potential difference makers. Those are championship classes. If you're going to be a quality team, you're going to get the, 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 the foundational guys that you're going to depend on are going to be in the multi-year starter category. And ultimately, uh, those multi-year starters are, they're going to be your foundational players. They're going to be potential all-conference players. You expect at Florida State for those guys to wind up being NFL draft picks, but maybe not necessarily uh, the difference maker as early, or maybe it takes a little longer. A couple of these guys are higher ceiling type guys, uh, but you can't project, the ceiling is less likely, say, than some of the others. So in this category, the first guy that I have in here is Chubba Purdy. And I, I, again, I, I like Chubba. I think he's a uh, he's a, a quality quarterback prospect. Some of you may be wondering where I would have put Jeff Sims. I'd have probably put Jeff Sims in the potential difference maker category in Bryles offense. But given that they don't run the quarterback as much in Norvell's offense, probably right around the same point where I'd have Purdy for that. But Purdy is a guy that I think projects really well. He's right on the on the boundary of a potential difference maker. Uh, I think he's he's a guy. If he was an early enrollee, if Chuba Purdy enrolled early, I th- I would have him in the different potential difference maker category, maybe even impact player, because he would be. Uh, I think I think if Purdy were an early early enrollee, I think Purdy would be the starter in 2020. Without being an early enrollee, and and given all of the stuff that Norvell asks his quarterbacks to do in his offense, I don't think that's possible. Uh, if he does that, then that tells you a lot. But I think he would need to be an early enrollee to be a, a, an early impact guy. But like I said, he's right on the boundary between the potential difference maker and multi-year starter category. Uh, he's a guy that is a dual threat, runs probably 4-6 area, uh, can run away from you, can cause some problems with his feet. Also, though, and this is the bigger thing, nice compact release, shows really good touch to all three levels, deep, intermediate, and short. Uh understands sort of where to put the football throw hits his guys in stride regularly. Uh, really like him as a prospect. He's definitely the best prospect at quarterback that Florida state has signed since Malik Henry, but there are no character flags for him. So if you want to talk about a guy that's as talented as Purdy that has signed with Florida state, You'd have to go all the way back. The last guy that Florida State signed that was as talented or more talented than Purdy at the quarterback position that didn't have character flags, you'd have to go back to Jameis Winston. That's crazy, isn't it? You'd have to go back to the 2012 recruiting class to get the last time Florida State signed a quarterback with the, with with this kind of talent, with enough talent that didn't have some character stuff that you'd go, eh, well, you know, as long as all that stuff checks out, then he's, he's good. Now, DeAndre Francois was a more talented thrower than Purdy in terms of having a, a much bigger arm. Although I think Purdy projects as having better touch and, and, and more, more hand talent, uh, in terms of being able to change trajectories and all of that than, uh, than Francois. But I think Purdy is the best quarterback prospect to sign with Florida state since, Malik Henry, and since you had all of those, uh, you had character flags with Henry and, and Francois, the best overall prospect since Jameis Winston. That's a really long time. And, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. Now, I, I do have a, a quick story to tell here. I didn't find out until last week 
and and this this came from someone uh, who was on the old staff. I did not know until last week that Jaden Daniels from uh, who is the, the the Arizona State quarterback this year who who lit it up for Arizona State. Jaden Daniels, I had thought that Daniels turned out oh, well, he's going to be a West Coast guy and you know ultimately that's why Florida State kind of moved on and focused on Sam Howell, but it would have been, you know, obviously would have been great to have a chance at at Daniels in the process. I found out from one of their uh from one of the one of the staffers that Jaden Daniels had actually wanted into the 2019 class. He, he, he wanted to come to Florida State, but ultimately they made their evaluations and they felt like Howell was just a little bit higher than him on the board. And they committed to Howell and his family that he would be the one quarterback that they would bring in, that they would you know basically promise that he was their guy. And so they let Daniels go to focus on Howell. And of course, we all know how that ended. My jaw hit the floor when I found this out. It's like, wait a second. You mean they could have gotten potentially Jaden Daniels? And they they said no? And it would be hard to fathom that. It would be hard to believe that they would turn that guy away. Because uh, first of all, I had Daniels rated higher than Howell coming out. I, m- I might be wrong about that, but I, that was my evaluation. <laughs> I... I it would be it's almost impossible to believe that and then you then you learn that they'd made the same promise to Jeff Sims that Sims was going to be the one they, you're our guy you're the quarterback we're going to recruit this year and you know wow so this is why you wind up not signing a single quarterback in multiple classes no quarterback in 2018 no quarterback in 2019 and now well, this is where Norvell decided, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to focus on one guy. I'm going to bring in multiple. And Chubb of course being one of those two. So, uh and we'll talk about uh Rotomaker in a moment. But that one I I I don't even know what to say about that. You you can't you can't focus on one quarterback in today's game. You have to especially with all of the transfer portal stuff and everything else, you have to bring in a, if a quarterback wants wants in and he's a guy that you think could play on your offense, you bring him in and you let your quarterbacks, you, you let them compete. You need to be bringing in about five, six quarterbacks every three, four years because guys are going to transfer. Guys are going to, are going to move on. There's going to be issues that come in and under recruiting that position numbers wise is how Florida state got into the position that they're in. You look at rosters, Florida state had a better roster than Clemson up until this year across the board, except at one key position. Once Jameis Winston left campus, Clemson had the edge with elite quarterbacks on their roster year in, year out. And Florida State has not had a good quarterback since Jameis Winston. And the thing is, quarterbacks make make your offensive line look A good quarterback makes your offensive line look better. A great quarterback hides deficiencies, neutralizes all these things. And Florida State has had the force multiplier of under-recruiting the quarterback position and then all the problems they've had on the offensive line. And that's how you wind up where you're at. It's unbelievable. So the next guy that I have is a multi-year starter. And he's, again, a guy that's... I I, I was really close to putting him in the potential difference maker category uh, because I I really like this guy. And I think he's going to be a really good player, a solid player for Florida State for years to come. And that's Brian Robinson. I, I think he uh, 
you know, again, looking at my notes, he's a strong kid. Uh, again, that's something that both he and Poitier have in common. Uh, very smooth acceleration, and I think very good long speed. Probably a low four five, high four four kid. Six uh, two, solid solid player. Uh, not quite the matchup problem, say that that Poitier projects as because of Poitier's extra length and height. But Robinson, again, he's a guy that. I might be underrating just a little bit. I I, I really like him a lot, uh, and he might be on the low level of the potential difference maker category. But I think he he projects as one of those really good long term sort of number two receivers in your system that forces you not to commit all your resources to the number one guy. And again, in Norvell's offense, his ability to go vertical, his ability to to take the top off a of defense is something that's going to be a big deal. And in terms of comps, uh, I had to think a long time and, and, and go through some film to think about who, who I think he compares to. I think actually, and again, he's not as good as this, as this player has become, but projecting out of high school, he reminds me of CD lamb, the kid from, uh, from, from Oklahoma, the guy who I, I, I can't remember if he won the, won the Bolitnikov this year or not, but he was, he was up for it. Uh, He's one of those thicker, sort of six two, six one, six two, thicker lower half guys that has unusual acceleration and burst for for that position. So and and is a really strong runner. It's going to break some tackles. So that's that's kind of what you what, what I think the comparison is there. And again, I, I project him as a multi year starter. Before I move on, let's go ahead and thank my second sponsor. That's Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. As you heard me say repeatedly, Lewis is the best in the business. If you want to get your house sold for as much money as possible and as quickly as possible, list it with Lewis. It'll look better than everybody else's house online. And also, if you're looking for a house in Jacksonville and you want to get the best possible deal and you want someone who's going to work for you tirelessly, Lewis is your guy. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered Podcast. Moving, moving on to the next guy. The next multi-year starter that I've got is Manny Rogers, and I know that uh, that Odell Hagens has reportedly said that Manny Rogers is the was the best defensive line defensive tackle prospect in the state of Florida. I don't project him as a defensive tackle at all. Uh, looking at my notes here, when I was going through first things, I said low effort pursuit. He had a number of loafs on his highlight tape on defense. He's not a he was not a high energy high effort defensive player that immediately is a red flag for me as a uh, as, when I'm evaluating defensive guys that you've got to have guys who are running to the football no matter what even at, at that position next notes though were thick lower half strong good feet for an offensive tackle really good projected right tackle and then ultimately to me Manny Rogers the comp for him is Cam Irving he, he looks like Cam Irving coming out of high school uh, maybe a little bigger than Irving in terms of of weight. If he's going to play defensive tackle, he needs to drop thirty pounds. But he could probably come in and play right tackle, maybe or maybe right away. I mean, as an athlete, you're looking at a guy that's six four. Six, he's about six five, three three twenty, and he moves in such a way that you know I I would not be shocked if he wound up moving to the offensive side of the ball in camp and wound up being 
the starter at right tackle in 2020. And, you know, that's where I've kind of got him in that multi-year starter area, but he might be an impact player if he moves to right tackle right away. So this is where there's some fluidity in these rankings. Uh, he would be an impact player potentially at right tackle right away. But it depends on when he moves. If it takes him a year to move, then you know that that that's why I would bump him. That's why I have him down at multi-year starter. But I think he's a he's a very good tackle prospect. Speaking of good tackle prospects, the next guy on my list as a multi-year starter is Lloyd Willis. Raw. He's a basketball player. Uh, again, looking at my notes, he uh, is he looks like a power forward on the field. Very long. He's six seven, about three hundred pounds, and you wouldn't buy that this guy's three hundred pounds. Looking at him, but then he actually is. He he tips the scale there. He needs to learn to play lower and and bend at the hips in the running game. He he he's just he's a basketball player. He's not doesn't have that physicality, but he's been playing for for Derek Gibson, former Florida State safety, back in my my years. Uh, and Gibson has said that he is he's going to live in the weight room. He works his tail off from good people, and uh, and is is going to is going to do everything possible to be become a better player. To me, he projects as a left tackle with high pass pro ceiling. Um, honestly, you know what? I'm going to slide because because I like his his tools so much, I'm going to slide him into the potential. Uh, I've been on the verge of doing this for a while. I'm going to slide Lloyd Willis into the potential difference maker category. Uh, I just think he, he really can become that kind of player year two, year three. It'll take him a couple of years, but you're looking at a potential all American at left tackle. If everything develops and if he does, if he doesn't have any injury issues, works in the weight room, all of that, you're looking at a guy that could be an early draft pick. Uh, I, I think he's. I think his tools are outstanding, and I know that uh, Randy Clements was was saying behind the scenes uh, last summer after camp. He said that kid's probably a you know that kid very well could be a future NFL a uh, future first rounder. Uh, to me, the comp for 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 Willis coming out is Roderick Johnson. Rod Johnson and Willis in terms of their uh, tools, he's a little more fluid than Johnson was, but that's the kind of body that you're looking at. So I'm going to slide him into the potential difference maker category. That gives him three for this year. Uh, I think that I think that's actually a better category for Willis to be in. Uh, and then Carter Boatwright is the th- the the fourth multi-year starter that I have in here. I think Bar- Boatwright is one of the other guys that's underrated in this class. Uh, I think he again he's a big guy. He I think has a really good feel as a tight end. He's going to be able to block. He's going to be able to do some stuff in the passing game. Uh, there's some Cam McDonald to him, not quite as quick, but he's, he's definitely got quality skills as a, as a receiver can go up and get the ball above his head, big time red zone weapon, but he's also going to maul as a blocker in the, in, as a tight end. And quite frankly, I think he might be the best pass rusher in the class at this point. That's not saying much, but I think he actually in a pinch could wind up being a defensive end if they really needed it. But I think his real value is as a two way you know, a, a versatile tight end who can offer a lot in terms of work in the middle of the field. And, and, in, and in Norvell's offense, the tight end H-back position is really important. So Boatwright is a, is a, is a good multi-year starter uh, 
and you know potential again he he could be could work his way into the difference maker category but um but I think he he sits more comfortably in the multi-year starter category the the fourth category that I have is a late starter uh and I would say that this guy this is somebody who projects as a depth player through most of most of his career uh possibly grows into a starter late in the career and again there's there's one player here who's kind of on the on the on the cusp of the other category. I could have put him in either one and that's Ja'Kai Douglas. I think he could be a multi-year starter at the slot. I'm just, I, I, I don't, again, I'm being conservative here. I've got him as the top guy in my late starter category. He's a really good return man above all. uh, And I think that's where his biggest value is early on. He's also a guy that they're going to, they're going to do some things play in terms of play design where they're going to bring slot receivers and all of that into the backfield to two back looks and they'll hand the ball to those guys. They'll do a lot of, a lot of different things. They want Swiss army knife, you know, kind of uh Percy Harvin type uh, players in this offense to be able to move around and, uh, and, and cause some matchup problems. And Ja'Kai Douglas has a lot of those capacities in there. Uh, I think the comp for Ja'Kai Douglas is, is actually Keyshawn Helton, uh, which I mean that might actually put him in the multi-year starter category. I just don't think he's quite as sudden or flu- or uh, 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 fluid in his acceleration as Keyshawn Helton was. But ultimately, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to underrate a little bit of where he's going to be. I think he he's a solid player for Florida State. Uh, for a number of years here and winds up being an important contributor, if not necessarily a starter for his first couple of years. Uh, next, next player in this category, Thomas Schrader, the offensive tackle Schrader is, he, he's a mauler. He is a, uh, he's one of those guys. It's going to take him a couple of years, but he's got some nasty to him. Six, five, not the longest guy. I think he projects as he could play inside or out. Uh, if you want to think about him, I think your comp for him is that he's not as, as fluid or as long, but, uh, but very similar in terms of the, the skill set that he brings to the table as Landon Dickerson. He can play inside, he can play out, probably best projects on the inside, but could play outside and do it well. Uh, ends up being a, ends up being a good prospect for say year three being a really good offensive lineman on your roster competent as year two, but is going to need a little bit of time to adjust and get situated in, in, in a college uh, system. Number three in the late starter category. So somebody that could become a, a starter later in the career is Tate Rotomaker. Now Rotomaker is an early enrollee and Florida state is in the position where and a guy who otherwise would be a late starter might actually wind up needing to play early as at quarterback and Rotomaker has a lot of the skills that you would want but ultimately i think he when i when i looked at his film i thought he he worked well as a as a good qb2 in a class uh i think he's a better prospect than say uh Sean McGuire was coming in with Jameis Winston He's a, a better prospect than a lot of the guys that Florida State has brought in at quarterback. He's a better prospect than Bailey Hockman was. But ultimately, I don't think he's a top-shelf quarterback prospect. But he's a guy that can that can make the throws. He's got really good touch. You can see on his film, he's consistently hitting guys in stride. 
and he throws the vertical well, which is really important for Norvell's offense. Needs to gain some weight. He's probably 185, 190 pounds at this point, or at least it looks like that. And at 6'4", really needs to be in the, you know, the 215, 220 range uh, long-term. I would have been comfortable, and I, and I still might by the next signing day. I might move him up a little bit. I'm going to look at more of this. These are my preliminary categories. So, you know, I, I reserve the right to change him before the, before the, uh, the second signing day, but I'd be comfortable putting either quarterback up a category. Both of them are kind of on the, on the border of their, of their respective categories. And I, and again, Rotomaker could very well wind up being a multi-year starter could wind up being a, uh, especially in Norvell's offense, the way that he uses his quarterbacks with the, uh, with the skill sets that that he's bringing in, could really become something here. But again, I think I think ultimately he's the QB two in the class. The complicating factor is that he's the early enrollee, while Purdy is not. Um, but overall, a quality signing. I think a guy that gives them another viable arm and a guy that can play in Norvell's offense. And considering they haven't signed a quarterback in two years, and al- also I think Rotomaker probably would have been the number one quarterback in the 2017 class when I overrated, I think, both Blackman and Hawkman. Uh, I think Rotomaker is is a guy that would have been the best best uh, quarterback in the 2017 class. And Purdy, I think, is a better prospect than Rotomaker, so that tells you kind of where, where they are in terms of bringing in quarterbacks and, and improving that room pretty significantly. Next player on my list as a late starter, Jayon McCluster. Looking at my uh, rankings here, or at my uh, at my comments here, I so I think McCluster is uh, he's uh, so I've got him six one one eighty five ran a four eight three ran a five one at the opening in February so you know not a good day for him but uh, I think he he plays faster than that for sure I think the four eight that he ran elsewhere is probably a better uh, better uh, more accurate indicator there. Uh, four five short shuttle, which is pretty good. Twenty seven vertical, which is not that good. I look at him on film and I see that he has good burst. What I see that I like a lot is that he has really good instincts and feel, and and you can see that he he just looks like a natural linebacker. He doesn't have he does uh, you can you can see it on his film. He he lacks top end speed. He's not one of those freaks that you're going to put out there. But I think he's a guy that can really play. I think he's a football player, and he projects as a decent cover backer, a, a guy that can uh, that can put on a little bit of weight and become a quality football player at the linebacker position. I also like that he was a running back as well. He played running back for his high school, so he played both ways, played running back, played linebacker. And you talk to guys like Butch Davis, who is a great linebacker evaluator, and that was one of the things he always wanted to see. He wanted to see guys, you know, a guy like Dan Morgan playing running back at it for his high school because you you have to learn both sides of how to how, how to how to do things and it just builds up your intuition as a backer and you can see that with McCluster that he has that um I don't have a good comp for him yet but I think he's again he's a a guy that projects as potentially becoming a starter later in his career projects as a quality special teams body uh initially and uh and you know, overall a, a good player to have on your roster Final guy in the late starter category is Zane Herring. He his his junior stuff. He looks sloppy. It's a little bit overweight. Uh, needs to get a little bit a uh, little bit more 
in shape, more physic, more physically uh, in in position to to be the player that he needs to be. But at Florida State's camp, came in and and, and performed really well. Showed himself to be less sloppy. Got in better shape. Was in better shape as a as a senior. I think he's maybe a little bit, little bit worse of a of a of a prospect than Maurice Smith was last year. But Maurice Smith actually came in and played well this year as a true freshman. So I, I think that's actually something that last year's staff did a decent job of is evaluating offensive line, which is hard to do. Herring is a guy that I think needs a couple years, but in terms of being an interior offensive lineman, I think he he. He's he brings a, a lot of nastiness, and I think he's a physical guy. And in the proper situation where he's able to nutritionally and uh, nutritionally get things where 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 they need to be, and is able to live in the weight room for a couple of years, can be a solid offensive lineman for you. And speaking of solid, if you want solid repairs or if you want solid remodeling done in your garage and you live in South Florida, you need to talk to Garage Makeovers. They're the top rated garage remodeling company in South Florida. They're licensed and insured, have been serving all of Palm Beach and Broward County since 2005. Let them know you, that, I, that I sent you. Let them know that you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast. Get it done. No time like uh, the winter months to make sure that you are prepared for vacation season with the best possible garage you can have. Talk to Raj Makeovers. Uh, as far as the, my fifth category, now we're getting into what I call depth. And these are guys that ultimately project as career backups, guys that contribute, but really don't project to me as guys that you necessarily want to be a top-end starter. And uh, the first guy in this category to me is, is Lawrence Toafili. He's the running back prospect. He's a good prospect. He, I think, fits stylistically in, in what, Norvell wants to do with his running backs. But I do think that in terms of the overall skill set, in terms of the physical package, he, he's not an elite guy. Uh, and so what I've got here, six foot, 180, four, five, seven, 40, 39 inch vertical, 39.8, which is, that's actually very good. And that's a, that's an important thing. I actually value vertical numbers for running backs quite a bit. Uh, in my notes, he's a strong fluid runner. He's a one cut back. He's gonna gonna basically get into the hole and break some tackles. He's got average long speed for a for a power five running back. Uh, I've got him down as this would be a good RB two in a class, but he's not a home run hitter. He's not an elite back. He's the kind of guy that you want as your number two or number three back. This is not Cam Akers. This is not. And at Florida State, you expect Cam Akers. You expect a. Uh, you know, that kind of a Dalvin cook, you expect that kind of back to be on the roster. And he's not that, you know, I, in my comps, I, I've, I wrote down that he is a Ty Jones, Jermaine Thomas hybrid kind of reminds me of Jones in terms of running style, but he's a little faster than Jones was and is, you know, more like, uh, Jermaine Thomas in terms of the, the speed and elusiveness that he brings to the, to, to things, Thomas not especially elusive, but but that kind of slasher. But he doesn't have the receiving skills that that Thomas did. Thomas could kind of split out and be a wide receiver as well. So to me, he's kind of a Ty Jones, Jermaine Thomas hybrid. Can be a really good running back for you if you need that. Uh, you know, can be a solid player. But those aren't elite Florida State level backs. They're they're RB twos, and I think that's what Toafili ultimately is. I hope he turns into something more than that, but that's where I have him. 
Next guy in the depth category is Steven Dix. Dix oddly is ranked above Jayon McCluster in the 247 composite. I don't see it. I just don't think he's as good a prospect as McCluster. Uh, he's 6'2", 205, 495, 40, 475 short shuttle, 29.6 vertical. So you look at those measurables and they're eh. Uh, good instincts on, 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 the, on the tape, reasonably physical. He's got good length. You know, his arms are, are, are nicely long, but he just didn't show a whole lot of burst and explosiveness on his tape. And I felt like McCluster, there were times where you could see burst to the football that, that, and, and just an, an additional physicality that he had to him that I didn't see from Dix. Dix to me needs to add some weight to be a, a, an inside linebacker thumper. That's really what you want to have with him. Uh, the question is whether or not he can do that and ultimately be a guy that can still cover. To me, he projects as a special teamer, as a depth player at linebacker that you can bring in for situations and so on through his career. Uh, my comp for him is DeKalon Brooks, but with a lot more length and a little bit more athletic. So, you know, I know there are those of you who are really negative about DeKalon out there, but, uh, you know, DeKalon, part of the problem is that he's about, he's about, Dix is about as fast, as far as I can tell, as DeKalon, but he's doing it at 6'2", and he's, he's, he's heavier, so there's a little bit, it's a little bit different. But that's basically what I have as uh, have Dix as. And finally, in the depth category, I have Josh, Josh Griffiths. And Griffiths is another guy. He's an IMG kid. Uh, another guy that I think is overrated in terms of the, of the overall ratings in, in, uh, in the 24-7 stuff. I think Morvin Joseph was a big loss for Florida State because Joseph is a guy that can really get after the passer. I'm not sure Griffiths is ever going to be a guy that's going to really be a pass rush guy. He needs to add, really, the best thing that Griffiths can do is add some weight and become one of those Sam defensive ends, a big end that becomes a run-stopping type end. But I don't see a whole lot of physicality from him. There's not a whole lot of elite burst there. Uh, and, you know, I just think, again, he's, he's a guy that can provide some depth for you. But I don't think you want him as a starter on the edge anytime soon. And he's going to need a lot of development. Hopefully he lives in the weight room and becomes a better player than I have him projected to be. But, uh, and I, he certainly has length. He's, uh, he's got uh, good tools in terms of that. But he's going to have to become a good bit stronger and more physical to be ultimately the role that he, he would need to be in this defense. You need to have him as, as, as a body on the edge, but I'm, you know, you're, you're hoping that he develops into something more than what, what I'm seeing on, on the tape. Uh, the guy that I really wish they would have offered, and I blame the last staff more than the present staff for this because the last staff had, you know, years to, to evaluate all this. The, the present staff was just trying to hang on. Uh, and that's Kaya White, Kaya Wright from, uh, down, down in the Miami area. Uh, he's a guy that's going to go to Georgia tech and he'll be an all ACC player in a, in a NFL prospect. Uh, he'll be an NFL draft pick at defensive end and Florida state could have had him as, as a, as an edge guy and didn't, didn't even offer. And that's a guy that I, I wish they'd had in this class and, and am a little bit uh, miffed that he was, he was not in it. Uh, I, I still think that, you know, there are some guys out there that they can add to, to help on the edge. And I'm not going to evaluate by the way, uh, master Mano, the, uh, the, the Aussie punter. I, I'm going to assume that if he's good enough to be an Aussie punter coming to the States, he's pretty good. But, um, but uh, I think as you look at it, there's still some guys on the, on, the, on the board that could make this class much better. Malachi Weidman, if he signs, 
adds another potential difference maker to the class. Uh, I think Jamari Stewart, another another guy that projects as a potential edge guy. He's a little bit little bit light yet, uh, but I, about 220, 215. But I think he's got length and he's got enough tools to become an interesting possible pro- prospect there. That's a guy to keep your eye on. Uh, Henry Parrish at running back down in down in Miami is a guy that I would I would look at. To me, the guy that that I would I would be pulling out the stops to get on campus and to to convince to to sign in the second uh, signing period is is Jameer Gibbs, the running back from uh, from Dalton, Georgia. It's inexcusable to me that the Taggart staff did not offer him. Uh, I think he is the best. He would have been the best back that they had offered. Uh, I think he's a better back than Jalen Knighton long-term. I think he's an, a future NFL back and, uh, and they need to get that kind of guy on the roster. I mean, he could be, if they land Jameer Gibbs, he's, he's probably the starter at running back next year. And, uh, and, and that's a guy that ultimately they need to pull out the stops and try to get him on campus. He was committed to Georgia tech. He's opened up things. I think he's still listed as a commitment. He didn't sign with them early and he's, he's visiting some other places, uh, in this late period, and he's gotten some some attention from some of the bigger schools, and rightly so, because I think he is massively underrated. Uh, he's he's only ranked, I think, like seven spots above uh, Toafili in the actual rankings, in the overall rankings, and I think he's more like uh, you know probably seventy or eighty or a hundred spots better uh, than than Toafili. I mean, I, I I don't think they're even in the same tier. But uh, but that's a guy that they need to get on campus and a guy that they need to uh, to to manage to to land. And I know he's a guy that Norvell offered almost immediately and uh, and is going to put some some uh, effort and attention on. But these are the situations that they're in. They're going to need to have a good close, including a couple JUCO guys, including, uh, you know, there's a there's a JUCO uh, defensive end just up the road uh, in um Milledgeville that they're going to, that, that they they've offered that again would be a good get. They're going to need to do some of this just to fill out the roster and to, to meet some of these needs, but it is a transitional class and you can't expect a bunch out of this. I think this class might wind up being a little bit better than last year's class. It might wind up being just about as good. I think there are some more important potential difference making pieces in this class than last year, especially if Purdy becomes that, uh, or Rotomaker at quarterback becomes a, a viable quarterback. And, you know, I really should move those guys up a category just because of the importance of the position. And both of those guys being solid prospects without major red flags, I think that 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 probably probably they belong in those other categories. But in any case, uh, I think this is a good class for a transitional class. I don't think you're going to see as much attrition from some of these guys as as you would have otherwise. But... I do think that it's it's missing some of the, the the top end impact difference maker type stuff, and particularly on the line of scrimmage, they they need to get some of those guys desperately, and they they just don't have them, and there there aren't very many of those guys remaining unsigned at this point. So it's a good class. You've got to give the the, the staff credit for for holding most of them together. I think that the Knighton loss was a, was significant. Uh, I think the uh, I think the Morvin Joseph defection was that one really hurt. That one hurt the most of the three. And then Sims leaving. I mean, I, I think Sims is going to be successful at Georgia Tech. And I would, I think Georgia Tech has done a great job 
evaluating the last two years. I've been paying attention to their class, uh, their classes the last two years. They've done a terrific job of identifying talent. Uh, Georgia Tech's going to get a lot better very quickly, and I would I would take a look at whether Georgia Tech is an early offer on a guy. I think they're one of those programs that you can now look at and say, okay, follow the offers. When they offer a guy early, he's probably going to be pretty good. So that's something else to note. I think Florida State will become one of those those programs here pretty quickly as well. I'm going to go ahead and wrap there. Uh, this has been uh, a lot longer episode than I expected, but I guess when you're breaking down 18 different players, it's going to take a little bit. Hopefully this is a worthwhile listen for everybody. As always, I want to thank my three sponsors, EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Garage Makeovers, and I also want to th- uh, thank my supporters over at, pa- uh, at Patreon, above the bleach numbers level, that is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Burt Bertoldi, and I hope everybody out there listening continues to have a wonderful advent. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening.